one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way. There could possibly be just one way. Do Christians and non-Christians, the Muslims go to heaven? Yes, they do. When someone comes up and says something like, I am a God, everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was, a God. God is based on love. It's I love you first, regardless of what you do. The person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Glory be to God. I claim the victory in the name of the Lord. Let's go. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. very excited today to talk about our next week of, of the Truth About series that we're in. God has been kind of zeroing us in on where we put our source, what source do we go to for our strength, our hope, our thinking, our stability. In a world of fake news, how many know the Bible is steady and it's trustworthy and for thousands of years it does not waver, it's not out of date, it's up to date and last week we talked about the Father. Today we have the privilege of talking about the Spirit, and uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit. It's something that worldwide the church has been uh, focusing on Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And uh, many times we may have not really thought about the Holy Spirit, so we're going to talk about that today. And as we get ready to, I want to just think about uh, uh, fads that kind of come through our culture, in particular diet fads, and uh, different moments of of decades, I looked online at different decades of, of fads, the cabbage diet, the grapefruit diet, the, the um, uh, there's the Atkins diet, I don't know if any of you ever did the Atkins diet, some people have done that, there's the Dukin diet. Well, back in the 1920s, they had a fad that actually swept through America, and it was the cigarette diet. And they actually had an ad campaign that was out, and the ad campaign was, reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. Can you imagine that? I mean, looking back decades later, of course, almost 100 years later, we go, how foolish was that? But in those days, it wasn't seen as a bad thing that somehow cigarettes didn't hurt your body. Um, you know, you could maybe not eat, but how many know that it probably wasn't good to smoke instead? So these fads that we have, the kind of sources that people go to to transform their life, oftentimes they seem so right in the moment and in the long run, they leave us empty, or maybe they, they have harmed us. They didn't move us along. And that's why we're focusing on those things which do not change, the things that are important, that last, and you sink your faith into, you build your house upon, and when the rains come in and the waters rise, the house will stay and remain because it's strong on that which is secure. You know, I was thinking about uh, the changes in phones this week. You know, my son's have never known a time in their life when there was a rotary phone. Anybody remember rotary phones? Nowadays, people don't even know what a home phone is in many of our houses because everybody's got a cell phone. And of course, we've graduated up to these cell phones that are also smartphones, and, and you can use the phone to, to tap into uh, the cellular network, and you can get phone calls, and sometimes you can get data to those phones, but then you can also tap into Wi-Fi, and you can use Wi-Fi, of course, for your laptop or whatever else, and how many of you have ever been fr frustrated when you couldn't reach the Wi-Fi? You're like looking for Wi-Fi, and it's something, in, you're like, come on, I just got to reach it. 
Hopefully you're not feeling that way today. Sorry if you are. And when it comes to the, the aspects of updates, phones and computers rely on updates, security updates. They rely on regular updates, one to keep us from having somebody hack our, our equipment and, and trust someone get all of our information, but also to upgrade us to the newest available technology and speeds that are available. And there may be some that when they look at the church, they look at us and they go, you guys are so out of date. You don't have the latest updates, the church and the Bible, that just seems so old. But if, if that's all you have as a perspective, you're missing out on the spirit. Because the reality is, the Spirit is the one that provides the regular updates. The updated 2017 version. How many know God gave a new update this morning? Every morning, new mercies I see. There's an opportunity for God to provide new things and it's through the Spirit. Way back when uh, Jody and I were younger and we had just two sons, um, we thought we had figured things out. We finally got to a balance point and, uh, you know, it was man-to-man defense. Once Timmy came, it became zone, and we were outnumbered with the kids. But we had reached a point where it, the kids were growing a little bit older. It's Josiah, or excuse me, Josiah was yet to come. Timmy was yet to come. But Jeff, our youngest at that point, was just about two years old. And, and we kind of got past the infant stage, and, and we, we kind of had a new rhythm. There was peace in the house, at least for a few minutes. And... I remember a time when Jeff had a really bad cold and he was breathing hard and he was coughing and it developed to a croup type of of, of sickness and his breathing was labored and and I was holding him late at night and and I just could tell it was getting worse and worse and so I'm like, I gotta do something about it. Talk to Jody and we decided we'll just take him to the hospital. Jody stayed with David at home and said, please call me and let me know what's going on. so we went down to the hospital, got in there. The doctor listened to his lungs, listened, looked in his throat, and he said, sure enough, the throat is closing up a little bit. He's in danger. We need to send him to Children's Hospital because our hospital can't handle that. And I can recall at that moment, my heart rate went up. My fears went through the roof. This is my son. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. And right about that time, I began to pray, and I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to take... Uh, connect to God and God began to download peace to me an unusual peace he began to download a sense of hope in my soul he began to download uh, things that I did not have the moments before and it wasn't an experience I'd ever gone through before so I wasn't drawing from old sources old things I was getting a fresh update from heaven right there in the emergency room and then the doctors came back to me and they said They said, oh man, we called the children's hospital and all their beds are full, there's no room. So he's gotta stay here. And I'm thinking, great. You guys don't know what you're doing. You don't have the right equipment. And now he's gotta stay here. And, but I I also, that was my brain. The other part of me in my spirit, I started going, but wait, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with Jeff. And there was a sense of peace that came to my soul. And so somewhere along the line, God began to work in me. And by the way, I'm thankful for nurses and doctors who do their best, amen, who all the time are on the front lines working with hurting people, sometimes frantic emotions, come out with family members as well. They were patient with me, but I knew God was at work through them and in my son on his own. And God began to work on him so much so that Jeff was able to come home a few hours later and then his lungs improved day after day and things were okay. The point of that is this. 
You don't know what you're going to face today, and you don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. You don't know. You can look back at all your history and try to draw from all the things that you went through before, and sometimes it doesn't work when you're in the middle of it. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's at that moment that you need to be able to tap into heaven and have an opportunity to interrelate with you and God, to pull on something new and fresh that you've never experienced before. And really, that's what Jesus was talking about, that we could find a reliable source that remains relevant through every decade, every era, every politic, every geography, every season of life that's available to us now. And Jesus said that he would leave someone behind that would be with us. In John 14, 26, if you got your, your bulletins, it's our memory verse, go ahead and pull it out. John 14, 26 is the great promise. We read it today during worship. But I want you to read this out loud with me. You ready? Here we go. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit would come. Now he's talking to his disciples who had only known Jesus physically with them. And as long as Jesus was physically with them, miracles happened, there was life, there was hope, there was wisdom, and they could look to him. But now Jesus is saying, I'm gonna be taken off and I'm gonna leave this other one with you that will help you just as I have. Jesus promised to send someone that is our teacher and leader. That's who he sent. He said someone's gonna come. The advocate, he calls him, that is the Holy Spirit. A few verses earlier in chapter 14, verse 16, he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I love this promise from Jesus. How many have given your life to Jesus? Let me see your hands. You've trusted in Jesus. Now this is what I want you to catch. Jesus, who you've given your life to, is the one that is saying, I'm sending someone to you. Don't miss this. This isn't just for the disciples. This is for all that would follow Jesus. He was giving his disciples information about the Holy Spirit who would help them through every season, every challenge. Jesus was leaving his followers and he needed them to begin to rely on the same source of truth that Jesus did while he was on the earth. And by the way, Jesus worked with Holy Spirit while he was on the earth. So who is the Holy Spirit? I mean, how come he's not talked about? Perhaps you come from a different faith background or Holy Spirit's not talked about in your church story, in your history. Why haven't churches talked more about the Holy Spirit over the decades and centuries? I think there are some that are just plain afraid. I mean, in earlier versions of the Bible, uh, there was, he was called the Holy Ghost. And that was kind of creepy to some people. And they get freaked out by that ghost but the Holy Spirit is a part of who God is. And uh, at times when Holy Spirit would be talked about, there were some extremes in the church where people would go to extremes about the Holy Spirit and do weird things. Perhaps you've heard about it. So for some, it was like, I just want to stay away from anything that kind of freaks me out and I just want to stay safe. 
Okay? So churches became safe without the Spirit. And then there were times when, when people just didn't know. Nobody told them about the Holy Spirit in there. They were just, they were just like, man, how, how come I never heard about it? Well, if you look at the Bible, there are many different titles for the Spirit of God. There's the Comforter, the Counselor, the Advocate, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Life, the Teacher, and the Guide. The Holy Spirit isn't like invented 100 years ago when the Pentecostal movement started. Holy Spirit was there at the very beginning of creation. Once you get your Bibles out and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. When I say turn with me, for some of you that's flipped to the page on your phone or your iPad or whatever. And others of you, it's to turn the Bible. So when I say turn, I mean go there. At the very beginning of all of creation, this is the great epic account. In Genesis chapter 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So at the beginning of creation, the earth is formless and void. And it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the top of that. Now, we don't have plants, animals, trees, people, anything yet. It's just a blank canvas, if you will. And it says that the Spirit of God is hovering over the top, like a mother hen over her eggs, if you will, creating the conditions for something new to pop up, okay? And there's a creativity that was about to occur. He was hovering over the top. And anytime he did that, he always brought newness, new desires, new perspective in the scripture, new hope, new worship. In this case, in our account in creation, he's going to bring new land, new people, life, color on the flowers, and the grass, and the sky. Everything was going to be created, okay? He's creating something out of nothing. Out of disorder, he would create order. Out of chaos, harmony. Out of deformity, he created beauty. You know what is so great about this? The Spirit of God still does that. He still hovers over the top of people who feel broken and deformed and hurt and hopeless. And out of nothing, he creates something. Can I get an amen? And what he does is he likes to be on top of. He likes to be over and near. Perhaps you're here today and you feel like things are uh, broken in your life, out of order. Maybe you feel like you've lost some hope along the way. What you and I both need is we need the Spirit of God to hover over the top of us and create in us something new, nothing we've seen before, something brand spanking new. He can cover and hover over us. Some people are reluctant for his change that he wants to bring. For sometimes, anytime the spirit comes, he's not going to leave it the same. He's going to bring something new. Sometimes we don't want it. We like it the way it is. I won't ask for a show of hands today, but there's some of us, we just plain hate change. True? And change is hard for us. But if you're going to interrelate with the spirit of God, you have to understand this. The Spirit with you, he's going to bring change. 
And his change is good change. But you have to trust him. Early in our church's story here at Emmanuel, back in the 70s, Pastor Mark Denyes began to get a dream from the Spirit of God. He began to hear and listen about a new day coming for our church. And he would proclaim it and just say, this is what I feel like God's doing. It's not my dream, it's God's dream for our church. And at that time we were on the other side of Osborne Road and, and uh, in a smaller church that sat just a few hundred people. And God was moving, but pastor had heard from God that there was a new vision developing. And as we moved into the 80s, we purchased land that we are now on in Spring Lake Park. And in that land, there was going to be a church built. And pastor talked about thousands of people coming to that church. And as he talked about it, he said, this is what I really feel like the spirit is saying to us. Meanwhile, back in our church in Osborne Road, we were Fridley Assembly of God. We're worshiping together and people, some people, had a hard time with where God was leading us. And they had a very difficult time. They resisted the change. Why? Our church is just fine. We like it the way it is. Don't change our church, right? And uh, why do we need to move over there and spend lots of money and sacrifice all that for why? And so he moved forward and the leaders of the church moved forward. But some people actually left our church during that time because they couldn't handle change. But sure enough, we moved across the street. We built a building. 10 years later, we doubled the sanctuary. And over the years, thousands upon thousands of people could come here that would have never fit in the old building. See, the Spirit leads us into places that aren't always comfortable, but they're always for more people. He's creating new opportunities. And how many know he's not done creating? If we can learn to listen and let him change us, amen. See, the Spirit is always creating so new things can happen. New things Go back to chapter 2 of Genesis verse 7. It says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. He breathed into him. That's a ruach is the uh, Hebrew word, a ruach. And uh, it's the sound of respiration. Perhaps if you've done CPR training, you know that part of CPR is to breathe in the mouth of somebody else and the breath of life passes from one person to the other so that they too can breathe. That's what this word means. So the spirit of God not only hovers over and creates, he actually brings life. He brings hope. It, it's Jesus did the same thing. He breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit breathes on people, there is new life. You can tell it when somebody has had the Spirit breathing on them. You can tell it when a church has the breath of the Spirit. Unfortunately, you can tell it when they don't. I pray we're never that place. I pray that we're never a church where the breath of the Spirit stopped somewhere at certain decades. But that every time that we gather together, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out a praise. You know, it's coming out of us. God, respiration inside. How many want God breathing through you? That's the spirit of God. 
move along in the Old Testament. Of course, he was there at creation, but he began to work with people along the way as well. One of my great uh, stories or biographies that I like is Bezalel in Exodus chapter 31. While they're building the tabernacle, this guy who was gifted and skilled in artistic stuff, he wasn't a preacher, wasn't anybody that was a Levite, wasn't involved in worship stuff. He was just an ordinary guy that went to work every day. Look at verse 3 of Exodus 31. It says, I have filled him with the spirit of God giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. For Bezalel, I love this, he is a craftsman. I would like to think he was an artist, but maybe also a construction person. He could create something. There are people in our church that blow my mind what they can do with a hammer, what they can do with tools in their hands. And it's the Spirit of God worked with Bezalel, but guess what? It's not restrictive to Bezalel. The Spirit of God can fill all of us at work. No matter what you do in your business world or professional world or whatever work that you do, we should all strive to be receiving the infilling of the Spirit so He can use us in our work as well. Amen? I don't know about you, but you get up tomorrow morning, I, I would hope you go to work. You're like, Spirit of God, fill me up. Some of you are like, I need the Spirit of God or there's no way I'm going to work tomorrow. You don't understand where I work, Pastor Nate. But the reality is that the Spirit of God doesn't only want to work in you, He wants to work through you in the place where you are, it's salt and light. And the Spirit is at work with Bezalel. I love that. He's always at work. And then there's this guy named Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And Gideon's an ordinary guy hiding out the opposite of leadership in the hills while Israel is getting routed by their enemies. And God chose this un, uh, somebody we would never pick. He chose Gideon to be the one to lead them out. And Gideon responds to, to, to God's uh, invitation to lead with his own inadequacies. Anybody here ever do that? When you think about yourself, you can come up with all the reasons why God wouldn't use you. That's what Gideon was. It says in verse 15, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. He just responds with all of that. How many know that did not stop the Spirit of God? Verse 34, it says, then, everybody said then. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power, and he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men in the clan of Abizer came to him. The Spirit of God still used him. I'm just telling you this right now. You can come with all your excuses, all the reasons why you're not one that God would pick. And I'm just telling you, he wants to use you. Turn to the person next to you and say, he wants to use you. <laughs> yes. And then he used people like the prophets. I love Isaiah. Prophets were people that would hear from God and they would speak God-inspired words to the culture around them. Many people think it's only end time stuff. It did talk about future things, but it was a message to the people around them. God inspired words. God still speaks prophetic words to our nation, to our culture. God inspired words to us. But Isaiah had one in Isaiah 61 that Jesus later on quoted in the New Testament. But it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. 
For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Isn't that awesome? I love it because instead of all of the mourning, he gives blessing. Instead of despair, he gives praise. There's something beautiful that happens when God works with us. He begins to turn things around. One of the things that I love in our church is that we have the privilege of having the Teen Challenge women worship with us every week. Many times they're in the first service and they're with us in our prayer service. And so we get to see kind of the new crew every week. Some people that have graduated, others may have dropped off. Some that are in the middle of the journey and some that are near. I just met somebody after his first service that uh, is graduating this Friday. It's an amazing story. But what I love is that when they come into the program, where they're mandated to come in by the court system or they come in because they've just hit the bottom, is there's a face change that goes on. It's as if God begins to take that which was not beautiful and, and ashy, if you will, and turn it into something that is beautiful. And you can watch the transformation on their face. The truth is, we can see the transformation on our faces. Now, everybody here on Sundays, you get to look at my face. But guess what? I get to look at all your faces. And so I can see and pick up on the emotion and the things that are going on, the serious look, even the ones that fall asleep on me. I love you anyways. <laughs> but the truth is that when you come in contact with the Spirit of God, your face will change. There's a prisoner being set free. And even if it's not all at once, we are all in a process of transformation. And that is the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? amen. So the prophets in the Old Testament, they began to look forward towards a day when the Spirit would come. In fact, in Joel chapter 2, it says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. There was a great anticipation that the spirit wasn't just for one guy named Bezalel or another guy named Gideon and an occasional prophet, but the spirit would be poured out on every person, men and women, sons and daughters, poured out on everyone. Why? Because the spirit of God is for everyone. And by the time we hit the New Testament and turn the corner into this new age of, of, of New Testament truth, there's a powerful thing that happens. Jesus comes as the fulfillment of Old Testament scriptures. But the Holy Spirit is there. And he's there with Mary when he, Jesus was conceived. It was a miracle by the Spirit of God. And then as this little boy grew up, he began to teach others that when he went into his ministry and he was led by the Spirit. Remember the passage where Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the enemy, by the devil in the desert. It was the Spirit. And it was the Spirit that led him out as well. And the Spirit began to be a partner with Jesus. Jesus did powerful miracles with the Holy Spirit. And then the time comes when Jesus is about to leave and he begins to declare the Holy Spirit is for others, not just for Jesus. Again, the, 
memory verse that we have, John 15, 26. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Verse six, or chapter 16, verse seven, he says this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, oh, come on, somebody. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Did you know that you can't come to Jesus without the Spirit? It's the Spirit of God that convicted you of sin where you bowed your knee and recognized, I'm not God, I need a Savior. You know what? Jesus is not for people that are proud, who think they got it all together, that they're the stuff. Jesus is for those that the Spirit is drawn and convicted of sin. Then they are drawn to Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in other places that no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So when Jesus was to leave the mission of going into the whole world in the hands of the disciples, he told them to wait for the Spirit. And by the time we get to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, it says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And of course, when chapter two comes and a wind filled the place where they were waiting and they spoke in tongues, there was a powerful moment when the spirit was poured out on all flesh. And then you see Peter getting up and proclaiming not only to the people in the upper room, but to the whole crowd that this Jesus is real and you, you can be saved, you can know him. And this gift that we have of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And then you can watch the story as it spread like a virus, a good virus, throughout all of the world. In the book of Acts, you'll see the church going to different places and they talked about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They talked about Jesus and salvation and the opportunity to partner with the Holy Spirit. And as they grew, they discovered that the Holy Spirit helped them understand and have a relationship with the Father. And he helps us look more like Jesus. And he helps us doing that by the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And it goes on with the list. But those characteristics are the characteristics of heaven. If you want to look less and less like you used to and more and more like your father in heaven, then you got to go through the spirit and let him begin to develop the fruit from within you. He helps us pray and he helps us understand the word and he does miracles. But friends, please listen to me today. Knowing the spirit isn't a leap of faith. It's a step of faith. Sometimes I think we think he's so far away, that's for super spiritual people or people that can handle the Holy Ghost. But the reality is Holy Spirit is close and near to you right now. And we, we are in a place where we are encouraged to be filled with the Spirit and not every Christian is filled with the Spirit. Not every Christian chooses to, though you have the Spirit in salvation, to be filled with the Spirit is the next expansion of your relationship with Christ. In fact, in the New Testament church, Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I, guess I could just stop there, right? 
He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what I want you to catch there. You actually have a choice or a step one way or the other about where you're going to draw from. Remember, this is about the Holy Spirit, a reliable source in a world of fake news. So when you hit your moment, whether it's me and Jeff in the hospital or you at work or in your marriage conflict or when you're dealing with difficult issues or when the bills are overwhelming or whatever it may be, you have a choice. What source am I going to draw from? Am I going to draw from drinking? He addresses that, don't be drunk. Many people get drunk because they want to avoid what they're experiencing. It's a temporary medication. It's still there, right? Or you can go to the Spirit. And if you go to the Spirit, He gives you different things. So Paul is saying, instead of doing what you used to do, and by the way, some of you are like, ha, I don't drink. Yeah, but do you draw from Facebook instead? Do you draw from just a group of friendships instead? Are you pulling from that Red Bull when you get up in the morning? Or are you going to the Holy Spirit? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a need to draw from the Spirit. Now, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're a Red Bull person, I apologize. I could just say coffee and let it point to me, right? But you do have a choice. And that's a simple step. Am I going to turn and say, Holy Spirit, I need what you have? Or am I going to go back to the things that are only leaving me empty and repeating the behavior that I've had up till now? Where do you get your strength, your comfort, your creativity, your accountability, your hope, your guidance, your companionship? When you're in grief, where do you find comfort? My desire is that people know God's presence, not just a church service. Come on, friends. Services don't change people. Buildings don't change people. The presence of God changes us. Amen. The reason this is so, so important to me is that between my junior year and senior year of high school, I went through a change. You see, I grew up in the church. I knew all the Bible verses. Every time the pastor would get up, I slept through a few services. Hello. I got distracted. I'd been through all the worship stuff. I knew the right things to do and the wrong things to do, and I knew how to hide the bad things from my parents. Hello. And I was becoming my own individual. I was becoming Nate. Not Nate because mom and dad say so, not Nate because anybody else. I was discovering my own identity. And I had become hard in heart. And I was with a group of friends from church and that went on this amusement park trip to Cedar Point, Ohio, Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, our bus took off and there's about 40 of us. We didn't all get along. Our youth group was not on fire for God. And we were just kind of there, right? And and we get on the trip and the bus broke down. Sounds like every church trip, right? <laughs> the bus breaks down. And we spent two and a half days in Sandusky, Ohio. Our youth pastor had only been there for about a week and a half, so nobody knew him. And we were all kind of separate from each other. Everybody's in their own groups in different places. It stopped. We had to stay in this church for two and a half days. We didn't have extra stuff with us and everybody was kind of bitter. We weren't going to the amusement park like we thought we were. 
and I had an attitude. And I remember the youth pastor, this new youth pastor pulled us into the sanctuary and uh, he, we're all sitting down. He says, well, the bus won't work. We aren't getting out of here for another, couple, another day. So we might as well just worship. And I remember, honest, I went, are you serious? We're gonna worship? It sounded so dumb to me. Like really? We sing a song? That's really gonna make me happier, Pastor. And so sure enough, they start singing this song. Somebody went to the piano, and I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. I'm certain that looking back that my parents had prayed and people in our church had been praying for the next generation for years. But the Spirit of God began to fall. My hard heart began to be softened. For three hours, we were there. I remember finding my way up to the choir loft. I sat down in a chair, or on my knees in a chair. Looked over, my buddy Alan Griffin is there and he's in a bucket of tears. I hadn't cried in years and God was wrecking me. And that's a good word, by the way. And uh, looked over on the other side of the room my best friend since sixth grade, Mark Kenny, the Baptist boy, was over there getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was, I was repenting to God. It was like I had a direct connection to God. And something happened so fundamental with that group of about 40 of us that we can never be the same again. So every time I go to worship, I'm not going through the motions. I'm wanting to connect with the presence of God. I want him to hover over the top of me. I want to meet with God. I can't go back. I can't be that. What I was before the trip, I need to keep meeting with him. And now as a pastor, my desire is for every generation in our church to not just come to church and get a nice little sermon, go through the motions and hold on till the pastor preaches and yells at me long enough and then get out of here so I can go on with the rest of my day. No, 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 no. I want everybody that comes here to meet with God. To, it's not about the songs and the band and the platform and new seats and a building. It's about an interactive experience with a real living God. And I don't even know how to describe it because it doesn't happen the same way for everybody. You might be one of those people right now that has a hard heart like I did. I went through hundreds of services and I was not changed. It was until I bowed my knee and repented before God that God began to change me from the inside out. And I know it was the spirit of the living God. And he was falling afresh on me. See, I desire that our kids not just get good verses and a good little tidy good lessons in our kids' ministry, but I want our kids being connecting with the real God so when they grow up, they can be argued with and people got other kind of fads and they can get argued with about a whole lot of things, but nobody is at the mercy of somebody with an experience. 
You get in an argument with me and you can tell me, yeah, they try to break down every argument against Christianity and all I can say to you is, but I know him. I meet with him. I'm lost without him. I need him. There's something in me reaching out for him. And yes, we go through our boredom times. You know, yes, in the church world, we go through seasons of time where it's just going through the motions. But church, that should never become our desire. Our desire should be, oh God, come meet with me every time I come to worship you. And then when we begin to sing, it's not about the people on the platform. It's not about me. It's not about the people around you. You can sing a song and it's not even about the song. It's about you and God as you sing to him. And then you begin to interrelate to the presence of God is the Holy Spirit. He makes your mind aware of things that need to change. He teaches you what the truth is. He gives you hope and courage. And as you begin to worship, something is happening. Something between you and the living God. Today, I wanna end this sermon with the end of the Bible. It started in Genesis with creation, but I end with Revelation 22. And Jesus is saying in red letters, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, hears say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. He's given us the invitation and we've got to come. See, it's not a long leap. It's a one step. And you can make the step to connect with God right where you are. Wherever you're worshiping, in the balcony, on the main floor, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, while you're driving down the road. You can make that step and it's not a leap. When you hear the invitation from Jesus, come. You say, God, I'm coming to you right now. Some of you say, I am thirsty. Well, the promise is, is that you will receive. And some will say, honestly, I have no thirst. And this is what I want you to do. If you have no thirst, you need to pray. Lord, I don't have thirst. Would you give me a thirst? And he'll give you thirst. He will give you thirst. So today, it's time for us to meet with the living God. Would you stand with me today?